0: You're listening to Episode 6 of the Floxy Hope Podcast.
1: Thank you for listening to the Floxy Hope Podcast. My name is Lisa Bloomquist. I am your host. Today we have Ruth Young with us, and Ruth is going to tell us about her experience with fluoroquinolone toxicity and her healing journey. Her story can be found on floxyhope.com. If you do a search for Ruth's story, you are able to find it and learn all about all of the various methods that she used to heal herself from fluoroquinolone toxicity. We are are going to focus this interview on the supplements that Ruth took, because Ruth did a lot of research on mitochondrial support supplements, and they helped her immensely. So we're going to try and give you some some information about that. And before I bring Ruth on and introduce her. I just want to do a little shameless plug that if you are listening to this on iTunes, if you could please give this podcast, give the Foxy Hope podcast a review on iTunes, I will greatly appreciate it. If you have any feedback or requests, you can email those to me at floxyhope.com at gmail.com, or you could go to floxyhope.com and just contact me through the contact me link. And thank you everyone very much for listening. And now let's get on to the interview. Thank you so much for joining me, Ruth.
0: Well, thank you for having me. This is really exciting.
1: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Can you just tell our listeners just a little bit of background about you, who you are, where you live, what your health was like before you before you got floxed? Just kind of your elevator speech about who you are.
0: Well, I'm a Lutheran um, organist, choir director. I teach music in a Catholic school. I'm also certified as a therapist. I kind of was working in both careers. I am in each PRN and physical therapy. Um, I like to be active, you know, always getting lots of exercise, getting outside and a part-time. I'm kind of heavy, but still active, which I think, you know, that, that helps a lot. So I wasn't perfectly healthy, but I wasn't really that sick either. I just had a sinus infection that didn't want to go away. I suspect the school I was teaching at the, at the time that maybe that building wasn't so healthy. I don't know. It just seemed like I was sick a lot, or maybe I was getting stuff from the kids. I don't know. But um, the z pack didn't take out the infection, so she prescribed Cipro. And I thought I'd never heard of it, but I had. I had taken it in the 80s, and i had had a terrible experience, but I just forgot all about it. And then when it started happening again, it was too late, because Cipro side effects don't stop when you stop taking the pills. It's been 10 and a half months, and there's still some things that I'm dealing with, not, not nearly what it was like at first. I lost probably, well, 85% of my muscle tone all over my body. I've worked with patients, bedridden patients, in their 90s, and their legs looked like mine looked, just overnight. It was terrifying. My knees were so unstable, I could barely walk. My skin was sagging. It just, I'd never seen anything like that. And I looked up Cipro online and most of what you read, not on Floxy Hope, but other sites, it's just pretty terrifying. I thought I was going to be permanently disabled.
1: And and I know in your story, you mentioned some of the mental symptoms and feeling feeling a lot of um, terror. And I am trying to recall, did you experience horrible insomnia? Um, I, I know that you said just horrible restlessness and inability to to settle your mind or body. Can you elaborate a little bit more on those?
0: Yeah, it started a couple nights after I quit taking the Cipral because I was getting really loud tinnitus. And as a musician, I, I was really scared of that, so I stopped. But things went worse from there. My blood pressure was really high. And then one night, every time I'd fall asleep, I'd have a panic attack. Like, worse than anything, I can't describe it. It was like being shoved down into hell. It was complete terror. It was just somebody get me out of here. I, I don't know how to describe it because it was just so, so, so intense. And it was every time I'd fall asleep. And I'd wake up, I'd be okay. I think my body was, like, trying to warn me because at that point, probably my antioxidants were almost entirely depleted. I'd already read about magnesium, take magnesium. So I was taking lots of magnesium. I thought, well, I'm going to be fine. I'm taking magnesium. But it was actually a couple days after that this happened. And actually a few days after that, I lost so much muscle tone like that, that all kind of happened about the same time. My teeth were loose and I got very restless, agitated. Like I could not relax. Mm -hmm. Couldn't. I, I could sit in that bed, But I couldn't relax, much less sleep. And and there's been times through this even trying to relax hurts. My muscles will cramp, my skin will just burn, my ears ring, my heart pound, and I feel afraid. And this happens every time I try to relax. It's not nearly intense like that anymore. You know, it'll happen a little bit if I've really pushed it too hard or I'm really overtired, you know, but it doesn't last the whole night anymore. But it used to be I would try to sleep in all night long Every time I would even start to drift into sleep, all those symptoms would intensify. Well, and that wakes you up. So in the morning, it's not just that you didn't sleep. Your heart raced all night. You feel like you were running a marathon all night long. Then I'd have to get up and go to work. So it just, it's the worst torture a human being can go through. I think, you know, people say, well, at least you didn't have cancer. Well, I think in some ways, getting floxed can be worse because the psychological symptoms are just so intolerable. And luckily, some of the worst, it didn't last as long or it'll cycle. And I'll get periods where I can relax and I get relief. So I I was lucky that way. I guess I've been, you know, literally, it feels like I've been to hell. Like I look at a crucifix now and I think that I have this more insight into what Christ suffered for me that hell isn't just physical pain oh yeah foxing hurts you know physically I hurt a lot but it's that psychological torment it's I don't know I suppose I've learned and grown from the experience that doesn't make it right that that happened to me
1: no but certainly- no I mean just just because you you had the the kind of rebirth I mean to take the to take the the, the Jesus crucifixion uh, metaphor or you know um... Uh, but the, the lessons to be learned to that and applied to, to your life just because you just because you survived it just because you had kind of a chance at rebirth doesn't really make it okay that you went through this this horrible hellish experience and and, and I completely agree that. The mental torture and the torture of insomnia is one of the worst things that a human being can experience. Um, you you cannot get comfortable in any in any position in anything that you do. Everything hurts. Thinking hurts. Moving hurts. Everything is everything is horrible when you're experiencing um, awful mental mental symptoms and horrible anxiety and hor- and horrible insomnia. It, it truly it truly is torturous And I think about all the people who don't connect their free-floating anxiety to the fluoroquinolones or their horrible insomnia that just comes on suddenly to the to the fluoroquinolones I think about all these all these drugs that are out there to treat people for anxiety and insomnia and people don't realize that there's a cause. That they didn't just suddenly stop being able to sleep. And and I know that that there are other reasons for people suffering from horrible insomnia, that it's not all fluoroquinolone toxicity. But I think that there are a lot of people out there who are suffering from fluoroquinolone toxicity who really have absolutely no idea that that's where their free-floating anxiety came from and that's where the fear came from and that's where, and that's where this, this feeling of just being trapped in your own body and trapped in your own mind and going through hell comes from.
0: Well, my neighbor is one of those people. It was oh, four months after I was floxed She was about two months in at that point, and we talked, and she said, oh, that's what happened to me. She was in the hospital getting IV magnesium because her magnesium was so low, and they couldn't figure out why. And she had the anxiety, the pounding heart. Um, She had the pain that I had. A lot of muscle pain in my calves just were so tight all the time, and she had that, too. Um, I had decreased standing tolerance. I could stand for 10 minutes tops, and that was like an improvement from at first. She had that, too. You know, where her job at a retail shop, it was just almost impossible for her to do it. And she didn't know what was going on. She's like my age. And then I told her, you know, well, I got floxed by Cipro. I'm listing my symptoms. She says, oh, so did I. I wish so much now that I had talked to her. But when I was going through the worst of it, which is about the first two to three months, you know, are like the worst of it. I just didn't feel like talking to anyone. Right. So, so I didn't. I wish now that I had said you know if this happened to me from Cipro she would have refused it it wouldn't have happened to her
1: Oh it's, so- it's, it's not your fault Ruth <laughs> you know I think I think that that there's a lot of I, I've gone through a lot of survivors guilt with this and and just feeling like why can't I save everyone from this and and just feeling really hopeless as I as I watch people get floxed or as I hear about people getting floxed and like especially it breaks my heart when I hear about children and, and animals. When our when our pets get floxed, it just it absolutely breaks my heart. And and children children as well, of course. Like the innocent in, in our population, the ones who, who can't go out and just read the warning label. And and not that I don't feel sorry for the for the adults too, but like at least you can explain to an adult, like, hey, this is what you can do to help yourself, and um, the first couple of months are the worst, except it gets better for most people. You can, you can explain, you can rationalize it to them. You can explain what is going on in their bodies as, as best as, as science has figured out so far, but, but you can't explain that to a puppy who's going through this, or a toddler, or even a 10-year-old you know, I think it's really, it's really difficult to explain this to people and, and it, it just, it just breaks my heart and I, and I want to save everyone except, you know, I don't, I, I can't yet, but, you know, we're working on it and getting, getting your story out through the, the Foxy Hope website and hopefully this podcast too will help people and we'll, we'll be spreading the word. So, you know, thank you for, taking the time to be on this show and you know, hopefully someone will be listening to it in the car or something like that and be able to tell a, a friend or a family member about it. Like we've, we've already had 500 downloads from, uh, from five episodes, so that's, that's, certainly, that's certainly not, not bad. The word, is, the word is getting out there and hopefully we'll be saving some people. Oh,
0: and you have done so much for that, Lisa. It's just, it's so wonderful, you know, and that's why I feel excited to do this. And I'm, of course, sad that this happened to me and, you know, and, and still hoping that in the long run, I'll be able to reach 100% healing and never have a problem again. But on the other hand, it's given me this opportunity, you know, to help other people. Right. And that's a wonderful thing, because there are a lot of floxies, they'll find my story on floxy hope, and then they'll find me on Facebook and say, and sometimes they say, I did what you did, and I feel so much better, thank you. Sometimes they've just been floxed, and they're so frightened, or they're going through the worst of it, and the worst of the psychological symptoms, and they just need someone to help them get through that. And their doctors don't help them. My doctor at least believed me. She's known me a long time. she always has thought that i'm really smart you know so she had like respect for me and that helped that when i said you know this happened i read this research article and it said yeah this does happen and and i'm trying these things that it says worked she she believed me a lot of these people their doctor just says it's just in their head people don't just suddenly overnight develop an anxiety disorder i'd never had problems with anxiety depression yes but not anxiety that was something completely new that suddenly i was dealing with and at least my doctor understood something's got to be going on here you know this wouldn't she doesn't a person's personality doesn't just like change overnight but with fluxing that kind of can happen, a lot of floxies will write to me, I'm losing myself. And it's like, well, you're still there. Once your body heals, you know, you'll be yourself again. I am now, but for a long time, I, I couldn't laugh. I would know that something should be funny, but it wouldn't be funny to me. And if I tried to cry, it was like someone was squeezing my brain and it was so unpleasant, I would just stop. So now I can have normal emotions again. And that it's been really wonderful just to be myself and to appreciate beauty. I mean, you couldn't. I I could look at something and know, well, I should think that this is beautiful, but it wouldn't touch me. It was very odd. It's almost like just watching your life from a distance. But it all has to do with damage to your nervous system. And when that damage heals, you're back. You're still there. I've always felt like I'm a soul and a body. And sometimes my soul had to have long talks with my body that, you know, you're okay, just hang in there. <laughs> you know, this, this has to get better. And if I hadn't found Floxy Hope, maybe I wouldn't have been saying to myself, this is going to get better. I, I went to work shortly after being floxed, thinking I'm going no matter how lousy I feel because I may never get to see these kids again. I expected to end up in a wheelchair I expected to end up never being able to just relax or be free of that anxiety again. And that's not what happened at all. You know, I've hiked Devil's Lake. I went canoeing on the Wisconsin River. I've done everything that I did before I was flaxed, I've done it again. Sometimes it's been a little harder. I got a little more sore. I think that's the magnesium deficiency at first. And and you think you get that blood test and it says, oh, high normal, you're fine. No, you're not fine because it chelates it. It takes it closet it right out of you. And it takes a long time to put that magnesium back so you have normal reserves. So something like sweating a lot, um, you know, doesn't just deplete you. Um, so something like hiking doesn't just deplete you. I, I find even now, sometimes my front tooth will wiggle loose. And if I take magnesium, it tightens right up again. And it's happening less and less and less. And the sad thing is that my tooth was wiggling loose before I got floxed. So I was magnesium deficient before I got floxed. I can see many of the signs. I was not eating as well as I should have. And then I'd exercise really hard to keep the weight off. So I was just depleting, depleting, depleting myself. So I kind of got myself into this mess. But on the other hand, you know, I did not ask to be poisoned. That, that is a totally separate issue. Sometimes people think, like the Western diet is to blame for all this. No, it's not. You can heal a lot easier if you clean up your diet, but sugar never gave me panic attacks. Sugar never put me in a place where I could not relax at all. Sugar never took away most of my muscle tone overnight. I mean, I, I went from, you know, being strong enough to hike and cross-country ski, and I tried laying on my back and doing straight leg races like we'd have a patient do, um... And I couldn't even do five. I got to like three and my leg wouldn't stay straight. We call that extensor leg. So that's how weak my legs were. So the other day I was working out doing straight leg raises with 10 pound weights on. I got to like 10 and I could do more. And I thought, oh wow, I've come a long way. So those days when I have some little things left like a little weird nerve sensation in my face, like sometimes it'll tingle or feel numb. I thought, that is nothing. I need to just suck it up on all of that stuff and just be so glad because there are people haven't regained that strength. But personally, I feel a lot of them are still magnesium deficient and they just, they need to push that magnesium. But at the same time, your damaged nervous system doesn't let you. I had times I couldn't tolerate it at all. It would make my blood pressure skyrocket. I'd run to the ER. I said, I took magnesium, my blood pressure went up. They said, magnesium doesn't do that. So they just kind of shrugged like they didn't know what it was. They just seemed to act like I was crazy, and they sent me on my way. They gave me a prescription for lorazepam. Um, I'm so glad I didn't take it, or my problems would be worse. Some of these drugs for anxiety damage us farther, I think. You know, And it, it relieves your symptoms temporarily, but then you're not healing. You're making it worse. So the doctor I was seeing, um, Dr. Whitcomb, he's an anti-aging doctor out in Brookfield. He's fantastic. The world's best bedside manner and this big, huge brain. And he just turns it to your problem and figures out what to do. And he really did help me a lot. No one can cure fluoroquinolone toxicity syndrome overnight. There's no one pill and oh, you're better. Takes a lot of time. But he helped a lot, and he did say, I said that I was given lorazepam, should I take this? Will it help? And he said, that's a bad actor, don't do it. So that's what I would say to any floxy out there, you know, avoid the benzodiazepines, take the magnesium as you can, and on days you just can't, well, oh well. But when you can get it into you and you can tolerate it and it's not flaring your symptoms, take as much as you can, or eat as much food with it. Um, the bad thing is if your kidneys are not healthy, you can't supplement magnesium. because so if you get too much, they can't clear it and that could be really bad. So I just wish they'd stop giving fluoroquinolones to people like with kidney disease. They, they give them to these you know terribly weakened people with already health problems and then they get floxed. And, and then the people who in that situation can't tolerate many of these wonderful supplements that I took that helped me to get better.
1: Right. Right. Can we talk a little bit about the magnesium? Like I, there there are many different types of magnesium out there and I know that I tolerated some better than others and frankly I just take chelated magnesium and that seems to work for me. I also take some ancient minerals like a blend and I also take and I also use Epsom salt salt baths. But when I when I tried One type of magnesium. Oh my goodness, I'm just blanking on the on the kind of magnesium. It gave me insomnia. So there are different types of magnesium. What type worked best for you?
0: Well, actually, the kind that gave you insomnia. I take magnesium malate. Um, Dr. Whitcomb recommended it as being very well absorbed, and it doesn't give me insomnia. I've tried it and the citrate and different types and. There's no difference that, as far as my insomnia goes. The magnesium malate is not the cause, so yeah. I'm fine with it. Yeah, so I ac- like, if you insomnia is absolutely fine for me to take.
1: Yeah, with the with the magnesium malate, um, I. I think it just gave me too much energy i felt I felt great during the day, but then i just i just couldn't sleep. so you know that's that's just one of those ways where everyone is a bit different. you know what what didn't work for me worked well for worked well for you. and magnesium is one of those things that people can can self experiment a little bit with, and it's any sort of any sort of slight mistake isn't likely to be long-lasting. It's not like with a pharmaceutical where you, know, you take one pill of Cipro and it can, it can mess you up for years or even a lifetime. Um, taking the wrong type of magnesium, you, know, you kind of have to experiment a little bit with your body and find out what, what works for you, but it's not going to be as consequential as those big-gun pharmaceuticals if, if you take something that doesn't work well with your with your body.
0: No, you can just drink some water and flush it out of you. <laughs> That's right. what um, I, re- I got. That manual, um, Carrie Knox and Josh—I forget his last name. There, the, a nurse and a massage therapist had put together a manual on healing leviquin tendinitis, and it's on. You have it available on Floxy Hope. Yep. They helped me a lot, and they said with magnesium, here's the symptom survey. If you took too much drink some water. <laughs> if that happens, don't take that much again. And, you know, and if your kidneys are healthy, you'll be fine. And that's what Dr. Whitcomb assured me of too. He's like, no, you, you really can't overdose on this. He had been a participant in a study on it where they gave IV magnesium at a certain rate throughout the day. And he said he was sleepy, but he always was fine. And it had no ill effects on his body at all. So he's like, it's perfectly safe. And it was weird because my doctor was so afraid of me taking too much magnesium. But the same doctors will push calcium supplementation. And Dr. Whitcomb said, don't supplement calcium at all. Get it from your diet. It's much easier to get from your diet than magnesium. But supplement magnesium because most people are deficient and not getting it from their diet.
1: Right. So- most, most people aren't eating enough celery and leafy greens. And those are the things that contain a lot of, a lot of magnesium. And you know, there's some other things out there too, things like pumpkin seeds. But who's who's eating enough pumpkin seeds?
0: I might be. Yeah. <laughs> but that's Good for you. Me, <laughs> but now that I you know, I after I was floxed, I looked at well what foods have what I need in them. That's what I want to eat. And and I ate a lot of it. I actually increased my calories by quite a bit, but dropped out all the junk food. I lost twenty pounds initially and it all came back on. But a lot of these um floxies are very scared at first, like well, I'm losing weight, but I think that that does kind of stabilize and end. It's just, you know, if you were kind of thin to begin with, that's really scary, you know, but I, I think that if you can get what your body needs back in there, you know, all the healthy things and give it time, it does stabilize. I'm back at my pre flox weight, which is not a good thing, but, <laughs> you know, it's something I, I definitely have to kind of work on. But I feel like I am in a better position to do that because, I mean, I went six months without eating one scrap of junk food. Obviously, I can do it. And if I can make it through all those horrible symptoms and still go to work and still do what I had to do, I think I can handle diet and exercise and get myself in a little healthier place. And, and that's a good thing. And a lot of phloxies end up healthier than they were before. But again, that doesn't make it okay that they had to be poisoned to get there. But when people are in those early stages feeling like, this is the end of my life, it's like, no, once you get through it, it might be a new beginning and you may find you're a much better person spiritually, emotionally, mentally, physically, in, in so many ways, you know, because you learn so much from the experience. It still doesn't make it okay that these people are getting poisoned. And what's very scary, of course, is there are those people for whom it's a permanent illness. And a lot of that may stem from the mitochondrial DNA damage. And that's why I think it's important, if you can tolerate it, to take some supplements that target the mitochondria. And the first one that I didn't know about right away, but have been taking now, is magnesium threonate. It actually, it says that it targets the mitochondria. It gets the magnesium where it needs to go. And it crosses the blood-brain barrier better. So I've been taking that in the mornings. I find that to be rather stimulating and I found other people online saying that, they weren't even phloxies. Just saying, I can't take this one before bed, (laughs) but otherwise it makes me feel really good. So I take it just in the morning, and I found after that I started to get real rapid healing of my central nervous system, where a lot of that anxiety and stuff just started to dissipate, and I had less of the weird nerve pains. And I still get a little burning in certain places, and, you know, it's not all gone But it seemed like it sped up the healing quite a bit. And that makes sense to me because I think those cells can't heal without magnesium. You know, why do some people have this horrible reaction where their nervous system is damaged, their GABA-A receptors are downgraded, and other people don't? And it might be that magnesium gives a protective effect. And if you lose too much, or maybe you were, like me, really deficient before you took a drug that depletes you of it, you're in more danger of this damage to your nervous system. And I think it's likely that it doesn't really heal unless you replace that magnesium. So I feel like maybe within a couple of years, I'll be there to where I should be with actual reserves of magnesium in all my cells. And I said to Dr. Whitcomb, I'm not sure that this can be reversed. And he said, your cells want to be full of magnesium. Healthy cells are full of magnesium. They want that. And if you just keep giving your body that which it wants, it will fix itself. It just will take time. I thought, well, if I just take a ton, it'll get better. No, it doesn't. You just excrete it. And, you know, there's no way to cure this really fast or overnight. It's just, like my husband said, every single day, get a little bit more magnesium than your body actually needed, and it's going to pack a little bit more away, and eventually everything will be back to normal. Right. Can you,
1: can you tell us a little bit more about the magnesium three and eight? Like where do you get it? What brand is it? Um, things kind of along those lines.
0: I just, I went and ordered it from online off Amazon. I think it was like Jero, J-A-R-R-O-W. I'm not saying they're the best or anything. It's just the first one that popped up. So, but, um, it's not something you're probably going to find like at Walgreens or your local pharmacy, you might have to order it online. And I would just say to someone taking it, you know, just take, if it says to take three pills, take one and take it in the morning only. And a little goes a long way. To get that magnesium back into your cells, normally you have to kind of flood yourself with magnesium so that by osmosis, it'll go back in and the calcium will come out. I felt initially that really my body was kind of flooded with like there was calcium in the cells, but no magnesium. tendons were like crunchy. It was weird. My Achilles tendons one morning just felt absolutely crunchy. It was, and, and I just was just contracted everywhere. My muscles just tight, my whole body. And as I soaked in Epsom salts bath and sprayed magnesium on me and took magnesium and moved, moving actually helped, then it, it kind of normalized. And the tightness just was in certain areas, which I think At that point, it's caused by downgraded GABA-A receptors, which are all over your body. it's a neurological problem. But initially, it felt to me like it was a lack of magnesium problem because calcium makes your muscles contract. Mm -hmm. You are just so tight. And I think, and it feels like an overuse injury. It feels like, oh, I really overdid it. I better just sit here. But I would get up and walk around, and then suddenly I'd feel better, and it's loosening up. So I think sometimes people make the mistake of feeling that and going, oh, I better just take it easy. And I've read other floxies say, when I got moving, I felt better. And that doesn't mean go, you know, run a marathon. That might just be walk back and forth in your house a little bit. But it did help, like playing the organ helped. It helped my ankles would be tight. I'd sit down to play, pushing on those pedals, and it would just loosen it up. And it would feel great. So that, that's what worked for me to move but not overdo it.
1: And, and for me too, and, and for a while, I think that resting helped me. I couldn't move for a little while, and but, but once I could move, the more I moved, the better I felt. And, and doing exercises that were gentle on my joints, things like swimming and Pilates helped me immensely. Um, I'm, I'm certainly not running any marathons. I'm probably never going to run a marathon again, or not not again. <laughs> I've never run a marathon, but I'm not going to train for a marathon ever. Uh, be, because, because of this and also just because I don't want to induce that much oxidative stress in my body. And I know that, that really heavy intense exercise like that can induce oxidative stress and I, don't, and I don't want to do that. But with that said, oxidative stress is one of those things. You want a happy medium. You don't want none. You don't want to be sedentary. You want to, you want to stress yourself enough that you get stronger and, and it's a very individualized line, like where, how much people should exercise is a highly individualized thing. And it's, it's really frustrating, I think, for people to hear, just listen to your body. But I think that that is, that's the the best answer that I can give because sometimes your body needs to rest and you need to rest your body. And, um, but but also movement helps movement movement is always helpful i i knew that if i didn't move i wouldn't be able to sleep and if i wasn't able to sleep then i would feel insane and tortured and that was not a cycle that i that i felt okay with so i always felt like i needed to push myself to move as much as i could just to just, just because i know that my body needs to uh, if, if I don't move, then I can't sleep. And that's, and that's the cycle that I needed to get into. But, um, before we kind of, we've, we've gone on to movement, but I want to go back to some of the the supplements, the mitochondrial support supplements that you mentioned, Ruth. Um, can we talk about MitoQ a little bit?
0: Yeah, I I love MitoQ, and I didn't think much of it at first. It's just it's a ubiquinol, a CoQ10, but it's targeted to reach the mitochondria. And it I found it mentioned in a research study where they had treated cells with it, and then treated them with Cipro, and it protected the tendon cells from damage by Cipro. It worked. So that's how kind of how I figured out what to do. I read actual medical research journals. I can do that because I took medical terminology to be a physical therapist assistant. So I'd read these and like, oh, that worked. I'm getting that. And I think it really did make that difference. You know, you talk about oxidative stress. There's a lot of that when you get floxed and your mitochondria get damaged. The bad thing is you would think, okay, I'll take some vitamin C and we'll be okay. Well, most antioxidants don't really reach your mitochondria. They'll, they're protected. It took a horrible drug like a fluoroquinolone to get in there and damage them. And mostly, the way we're created is that those mitochondria, they're so important that almost anything we'd eat or drink or take, it can't reach them. So it can't hurt them. So MitoQ to me is like the anti-floxing drug because it can reach the mitochondria and help them. It, it, it can kill off the damaged cells so they don't keep making more damaged cells that make more damaged cells that create more oxidative distress that create more damaged cells and it's a cascade a really bad cascade and i found like since i've been floxed and i've went hiking like at devil's lake there's all these steps up the side of the bluff i mean it's not a mountain like you used to climb but it's it's pretty intense it's like kind of straight up I can do it better now than I could before with less being winded. And I think it's the MitoQ because on their site, they have a lot of people writing saying it has improved their athletic performance. So it's doing something. I really think it is. I couldn't figure out what that was, that I could be in better shape now than before I was floxed. And I have had times... I think heavy exercise might have caused insomnia for me, but I'm not sure because it's not 100% of the time. The only thing that 100% of the time was causing it was changes in progesterone levels with my monthly cycle. So around my period, I'd get the insomnia. So it's just hard to say. I don't know. That scares me. Like, well, if I exercise too hard, am I creating too much oxidative stress? Am I damaging my body worse? But then I think, well, I'm taking MitoQ. So that makes me feel a little bit better about it and a little bit safer in that, okay, my DNA are gonna heal, it's gonna be okay. Because everybody has some of that DNA damage. If you smoke cigarettes, you're walking around with it. People who stop smoking, it heals. So the body can heal it to a certain point. The problem is fluoroquinolones can push you past that point. It is my hope that things like MitoQ can bring you back um, there are people taking it who have things like fibromyalgia and are saying they're getting some relief with taking MitoQ, So it could be a good thing. The other one I found out about was idebanone, that's CoQ1. And that was mentioned also in a research study where it had helped protect cells from Cipro. So I'm like, well, I want to get this. Well, and then I read that one of the side effects is increased anxiety and insomnia. So I was a little bit terrified to take it. And one of the things it does, as well as being an incredible antioxidant, it raises serotonin levels. It helps your body use tryptophan better to make serotonin. Even if there's very little tryptophan in your diet, it must ferry tryptophan across the blood-brain barrier a little bit better, and then you feel better. But too much serotonin could cause those side effects. Prozac has those listed, you know, insomnia, anxiety, to increase it. In fact, someone going through floxing should not jump on, a drug like Prozac, it might increase their anxiety. So I was pretty scared to try it, and yet after that very first pill, my anxiety went down enough that I could function. I was sitting there wondering, how am I going to go play organ? You get nervous a little bit when you're going to play, Well, you add that on top of the Cipro anxiety. I was just about incapacitated. I took one Idebinone, fearing to take it, and the anxiety just cut down to a level that I was okay. So I take um, 50 milligrams of it three times a day. You have to take it with food. It's fat soluble. And I have no depression now. I struggled with depression my whole life. It's just gone. Just gone. Completely gone. And I haven't noticed. I don't think it's increased the anxiety or given me insomnia or anything. For me, I think it wouldn't be right for everyone or for every floxy, But for me, it was a godsend. And it helped. It helped with things that existed before Cipro hurt me. It also is the only antioxidant that I know of that in the, when there's no oxygen, it doesn't become an oxidant. If you're hiking and you get really, really out of breath and you got vitamin C and vitamin E and these other things floating around, if there's no oxygen to those cells, those things that would protect your cell now damage it, not ideminone. If you have a heart attack and part of your heart doesn't get blood flow, the ideminone protects it. If you have a stroke and part of your brain is not get blood flow for a while, ideminone protects it. If the blood flow can be restored later, that part of your brain won't be damaged. So I'm like, what an amazing thing to be on. I wish I could get all my friends and family on it, but I know not everyone probably can tolerate it or take it. But I I feel really good that I'm on it, that if I am hiking or something and getting short of breath and creating excess oxidative stress that that idebenone should be protecting me and it'll be okay. And I keep thinking, you know, even being floxed as bad as that is, these supplements sound like they're gonna be able to go in there and fix it if my damage wasn't too severe. And honestly, I think what happened to me is I lost a lot of functional magnesium. Yes, that did increase oxidative stress and my GABA-A receptors were downgraded. Just like I had taken a benzodiazepine at a high dose for 20 years and it did it in seven pills. That's I think what happened to me but I I think it all will eventually correct itself and I'm going to be okay. I'm not saying everyone who gets floxed will end up being okay, but I think I will be and I think everyone should try at least with the mitoq and see, you know, if they can tolerate it, you know, because It just makes sense to me. If the drug damages your mitochondria, we need a targeted supplement to get in there and fix it. And that's why I like the MAG3 and 8 and the MitoQ. And I think ideminone is targeted as well because they're experimenting with it to use it to treat autism. And the thought is that autism is a problem of the mitochondria and Alzheimer's disease. So they're using it or trying to use it for things that it sounds to me like, also could be problems of the mitochondria so they're thinking that it must help with that so i think that sounds like something tailor-made for floxies to me i just i'm saddened that you know not everyone who's tried it people have written on floxy hope this didn't work for me at all it made me worse and and that's a sad thing
1: you know I'm, i'm glad it worked for you that's that's certainly um very important, um, and and sharing the information about what what helped you, I think is is incredibly valuable because it might it might work for another person. Um, if it doesn't. You know we're we're all we're all just trying our best, and we're trying to share as much information as we as we possibly can. And everyone is a bit different, and it would be really nice if there were more similarities. I think that that there are differences, and of course there are genetic variations that make each of us each of us different. I think that the cellular damage, the mitochondrial damage, is at different levels for different people, and that can make a difference in which supplements you can tolerate and what. What foods you can tolerate, and also each of our microbiomes in our gut, each of our, our gut flora um, combinations is a bit different. They say that it's as different as a fingerprint. And the how how our gut flora reacts to a supplement or to a fluoroquinolone, for um, for example, or um, or even foods is very is very different. And so. So we haven't found any sort of one size fits all, but I think that these stories about, Ruth, are you still there? I am still here. I'm sorry. I just, I just heard, I just heard something on the, on the Skype. So sorry audience for that, for that little, for that little, uh, break, but, um, but. We, we just don't have a surefire protocol for everyone. And so it's just important that we share what works for each of us individually. So are there any other supplements that you, that you want to tell us about that really, that really helped, helped you, that you would like to share with the listeners?
0: Well, it's not a supplement, but I have started drinking kefir as I've read more on Floxy Hope about the importance of the microbiome. And I think that's really been helpful you know, um, probably would have been helpful even had I not been floxed. Just really good for me, you know, to do everything I can to support my microbiome. I used to take like fluorogen and, and that's fine. But the kefir, I think, is even better than taking a pill. So I drink a little cup of that every morning. Um, I do still kind of take a lot of pills, but some of it I'm going to kind of let them go over time. Um, like when my bottle of selenium is empty, I'm going to stop. But selenium supports glutathione. Which glutathione you lose a lot of that when you get floxed. So it was suggested in that book, that I, that ebook that I bought to take selenium. So I did, but I don't think I'll continue with it because I feel like, you know, my glutathione levels are probably fine now. You know, and, and there's good things on all these supplements, but on the other hand, I don't want to be taking like 30 pills every morning. I, I don't think that's really good either. Um, I found that the combination of magnesium, benfodiamine, and alpha lipoic acid together reduced my tinnitus. And I had tinnitus before I got floxed. And now if I'm not having a flare up um, of my FQ symptoms, I have no tinnitus or much less than I had before. I stopped the ALA and the benfodiamine and it kind of came back, my underlying tinnitus that I'd had before I got floxed. So it worked for me. So it might be something I'll continue the rest of my life just because whatever was wrong with my hearing, that helped. They didn't help my husband. Um, adding magnesium made his tinnitus a little softer, but the benfodiamine and ALA didn't, didn't do anything for him. So but his is a lot worse than mine ever was. So there is a lot of good stuff out there, you know, when you look into different supplements you can take, and I don't understand why most doctors are so terrified of these supplements, because like you say, you take a supplement that doesn't agree with you, in a couple hours it's out of your system, you're fine you know, you take a fluoroquinolone, you know, you can be permanently disabled, but they have no fear writing that prescription for Cipro. But if you start saying, like I do, that I take over a thousand milligrams of vitamin C every day, they kind of look at you funny. And, well, that's not even in the computer to put in that much, you know? And like, well, what's wrong with you? Why are you taking all these pills? It's like, well, vitamin C is harmless. So I don't, I guess I don't understand that. It's why I'm glad I found Dr. Whitcomb, who was willing to look at supplements as a way to help me feel better. Um, one that I took to help with anxiety is called Calm PRT by a company called Neuroscience. That was really good, but it made me so mellow. Once I started to actually heal, it mellowed me out way too much. And I've been taking L-theanine to help with anxiety. It does bind to GABA-A receptors, but that's, it's not its only mechanism of action. It blocks glutamate and it raises dopamine and serotonin. When I take a couple of theanine, Whatever I do after that just seems very pleasant. You take that and then iron and you'll just enjoy ironing. It's wonderful. (laughs) You know, so it's it's a really nice supplement, but I don't think I'm, I'm... Well, even now, I'm not taking the levels of it I was. I was taking 600 milligrams a day, you know. Of theanine to calm down my central nervous system when it was just so over stimulated i don't need it anymore dr whitcomb takes that much every day plus he sips green tea which has theanine in it all day long he's just a really mellow guy that's not me but i love that that who i am can come back now right you know, for so long just everything over stimulated me and I, I love polka music i put on polka music in the car it felt like I was physically being assaulted it felt like I was being beaten up I had to turn it off I couldn't deal with it and like this ruined polka music for me really (laughs) you know I just it took away who I was and now I'm back to being who I am I am driving in the car with polka music blaring again and I'm not taking tons and tons of supplements to mellow me out I don't have to I so I can just be me so when people are afraid, well, I've lost myself. No, you're still in there. And when you feel better, it just, it all comes back and it's okay and, and it's wonderful.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think that, that you're absolutely right. That that, that, that losing of yourself is absolutely terrifying. And and I experienced that as well. And one thing that helped me with getting myself back was meditating. And and just kind of that realization that that I am not my thoughts, I am not my emotions, I am not my sickness, I am not my pain. I am none of those things. I am still a being. I am still me. I am still in there even when I try to push, even, even my thoughts and emotions away. Those aren't me. There's something else that is me. I am still alive, even though those thoughts are passing, even though those emotions are passing. And, and meditating just helped me with that, that realization, and it helped me with getting myself back. And, and I'm glad that you also got your, yourself back, because that's, I think just just horrifying to really feel like you've you've lost your yourself and that so much has been taken away and i know that for a lot of people listening to this um a lot has been taken away from you and and certainly i hope that that you are able to get yourself back and your passions back and even things like your appetites back like like ruth and i have and um know I I think that we're we're going to sign off now um I think our time is just about up Ruth but is there anything else that you would like to kind of say to the floxy hope podcast audience
0: um just to reinforce what you said you know that you do get yourself back you're still in there but there is nothing out there that can just take away everything the way fluoroquinolone toxicity can and I wish doctors would recognize that and be more careful in prescribing these and not just cavalierly do it because if you do get floxed it's not just the emotional and mental it's also physical I mean I had fear on two levels losing you know who I was my personality of being able to ever live without fear again and then my body changing so much that just that was really horrific you know and it didn't last that long for me luckily but it, it was a terrifying thing to go from thinking of myself as someone who's very muscular and strong i really am you know to someone who's so weakened and wondering will i stay this way you know but i think you know whatever it is that's most affecting someone whether it be the physical or the mental or the emotional or all at once you can overcome it all you, the healing is possible people do heal from this and and you can get your life back.
1: Thank you. I, I appreciate you spreading that that message of hope. It really is very helpful, and I think it it helps to hear it from people other than me. People are are sick of hearing me beat on that drum. So thank you, thank you very much, Ruth, for for spreading that message of hope. It's uh, it's very much appreciated. And thank you for all of the great information about the the things that have helped you. I've I've learned I've learned a lot. And thank you for being on. The Foxy Hope Podcast.
0: Oh, thank you, Lisa, and for all that you do for the Foxy
1: community. Oh, thank you. That's that's very kind of you. And I'm just going to do one more shameless plug um, as I as I sign off. The book that uh, Ruth mentioned by Kerry Knox and Joshua Tucker, I believe is his last name, um, has been rebranded as the Fluoroquinolone Toxicity Solution, and it is available um, both on their website, I think it's tendinitisexperts.com, but I may be messing that up. It's available through Floxy Hope, and if you purchase it on www.floxyhope.com, that will help me out with getting an affiliate commission and I will appreciate the support very much. So, um, Ruth, Ruth said that that book helped her a lot. It has helped many floxies quite a bit. There are some great recommendations for other, other supplements in, in that book. And it just gives, it gives a good amount of guidance. So with that, I will sign off. Thank you very much for listening to the floxy hope podcast. Have a great and hopeful day.